You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit harvestyorkregion.ca. All right, let's get our Bibles out and turn to Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. Hebrews chapter 11, as we uh, finish up our series, We the Church, we've been taking some weeks and going to uh, back to basics on some things about our four pillars. And uh, today, the message will be about our three W's here at Harvest Bible Chapel. The first message was about unashamed proclamation. And the reality, it's not just my job, but all of us have a responsibility to that. And then unashamed worship and how we do that, not just when we come together here, but our entire lives are an act of worship. Unafraid witness, um, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with boldness. And last week, as we looked at Nehemiah, unceasing prayer. Well, today we want to take a look at a message that's entitled Impossible. Impossible. There are things that were once thought impossible that were proven to be possible. At one point, people thought man could never fly. And then we've determined that yeah, actually you can. Um, as a matter of fact, you can fly uh, uh, supersonic speeds and you can get across the ocean in, in, in under two or three hours now. And, and you can fly and you can go to the moon and all kinds of things that people thought you could never do that actually you can do um, Here's one. Uh, people would have never thought you can build a computer and put it on your wrist. Now, I can't because I can't afford one, but, but some of you can and some of you have them. And the amount of information that's stored in that little computer on your wrist once upon a time would have filled buildings uh, for them to be able to do that. But men do some pretty amazing things that might have been thought or even thought to be impossible. But there's one thing that the Bible says is impossible and that man can't do on his own. We can never get there. And that is, it is impossible to please God. You can try all you want. You can work all you want. You can do the best you can. But the end result is an impossibility. You can't please God. You can't. You can't do it. Our text today is uh, Hebrews chapter 11, and in it we find what's called the uh, Hall of Faith or the Faith's Hall of Fame. In reality, it's a record of many ordinary people who were used in extraordinary ways with one common denominator. It was all done by faith. It was all done by faith. See, it's impossible to please God without faith. Without faith, that is Impossible. So you got your Bibles open now. Let's stand. We want to honor God as we read his uh, word. I'm going to read uh, verses uh, 1 to 7, Hebrews 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. 
By this, by this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the amazing privilege once again to uh, stand before you with the uh, Bibles in our hand to read your word preserved for us, to teach us, to instruct us, to help us, to correct us, to encourage us. And Lord, we pray today as we look at this amazing passage that, God, you would instruct us clearly. Father, we ask that you would to give us ears to hear your word and minds that we might understand it. But then, Lord, as a result, we would leave from here to passionately live out for your fame and for your glory. Father, uh, take away the hardness of any hearts that are here. Uh, lift a veil that's keeping people from seeing Jesus Christ. And Lord, do a work here today, we pray, that the only way we can explain it is, God, you did it. Do it for your glory, we ask and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. I'm going to spend most of our time today in verses 4 to 7, but in the uh, part of the introduction, I want to just hit on a couple things out of verses 1 to 3 to kind of set the table. It says, now faith, so what is faith? Faith is the assurance of things that are hoped for, the conviction of things that are not seen. Faith is the assurance or the confidence and the conviction of the unseen and the reality is to an extent that it changes us we don't act like we used to live we don't live like we once lived because of the reality of what faith has done for us it says now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen then it says for by it the people of old received their commendation hey there's only one way to a right place with God and that's by faith that was true in the Old Testament. It's true in the New Testament. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. We're going to look at three characters today, but there's more than a dozen of them in Hebrews 11. And, and their commendation before God, their right relationship with God, comes the same way yours does. It comes by faith. It comes by faith. Uh, they didn't have all that we have. They didn't have the rest of the New Testament. They didn't have the finished work of Jesus Christ, but they still came to him the same way we do. They still come by faith. Then in verse 3, by faith we understand, ready, that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith. We believe that God spoke it and it happened. It didn't happen from some bang that went off billions of years ago and, and then some form of goo was formed and it climbed out of, the, out of the ocean onto the shore and a monkey was formed and I'm the son of an ape. It takes way more faith to believe that than to believe that God said it and it happened. That's faith. That's faith. And that's what we believe. And our world fills us with lies. And well, why wouldn't it? Of course it would. About all kinds of other things. No, God said it and it happened and we believe it by faith. By faith. So what is faith? So you don't have any room on your notes for this. So if you want to write these down, I've got three things I want to talk about briefly. And uh, so you turn it over, put it below the so what at the end if you want. But um, here's an acrostic for, for faith. I've, I've given this before, but um, it's one I always remember. Forsaking all I trust him. 
forsaking all, I trust him. I'm putting all of my eggs in the God basket. All of my faith is going with him. Forsaking everything else, all that the world says, all of the pressures that it puts on, all of the lies that are poured on us, forsaking all else, I trust him. I trust him. Here's another thing. You've seen the stool here today, and some of you are like, Pastor, you had a chair last week because you couldn't get to the end. You had to sit down for a rest before you were finished, and, and now a stool. Like, are you getting tired or what? No. No, it's an illustration. It's an illustration of faith. It's an illustration of who God is and what God has done. And, and here's what happens in our lives. So often we, we hear people, and, and maybe you're this person and you're here today, and you're like, well, no, I believe about God. I believe about God. It was great in the testimonies and the baptism. They all talked about by faith, by faith, by faith. I came to the point of understanding I was a sinner, I needed a Savior, and I accepted Christ by faith. Well, what is faith? Faith is the transfer of your trust from what you believe in to what God has done. Well, yeah, yeah I come to church, and I hear you preach about it, and, and I kind of like it. You yell a little bit too much. You're a little too long sometimes, but, but you know, here I am, and, and I'm good with all of it, and, like, I have my Bible, and, and I think it's kind of cool, and, and I'm interested in what's going on, and, and you talk about faith, but you never live faith. You still got both of your feet firmly planted in the world. You have all the things you're trying to do and all the things you're trying to accomplish. And, and God is saying to you, no, 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 no. It's impossible. It's impossible to have a relationship with God except by faith. So what is faith? Well, faith is getting off of your two feet and getting on to all that God has done, all that he has provided, both feet up, not one foot down. One foot's down, you're still trying to do stuff. All of it comes down to this is what God did. This is what he accomplished. This is who he is. And so the faith that saves you is coming to the place of I can't do it. Only God can do it, and I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ alone. Not one foot down of trying harder, not one foot down of my family or my history. All of it, feet up, sitting on who Jesus Christ is and what he did. That is what faith is. I transfer my trust. That's the faith for salvation. And there's a faith where God keeps us and we move forward and trusting him. And even in that, although we serve and we love and we but the reality is we understand it still all comes back to I transferred my trust from what I believed in, from what I thought was important, and it's all on God. That's the second picture of faith. The third one is a statement, a statement that uh, James McDonald, first time I heard it was from him, says this. Faith is believing the word of God. You might want to write this down and put it in the flyleaf of your Bible. Faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how I feel, because God promises a good result. Faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it, no matter how I feel, because God promises a good result. The end result is eternity with God. Uh, that's the end result that God promises. And so no matter how I feel, no matter what the circumstances look like, I am going to believe God's word and I'm going to act upon it because of who God is and what God has done for me. Faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how I feel because God promises a good result. Well, without faith, says it right in our text, without faith, it is impossible. Without faith, we're going to look at three characters this morning in the text and we're going to see it's impossible to do three things. 
So it's time for full disclosure in this message. Uh, this outline is not mine. I would tell you whose it was if I knew, but I don't. I'm just not taking credit for it. So if you know who it was, don't come and go, you stole that from. No, no, I don't know who I stole it from. I just know I have it, okay? I know two guys who told me about it, but they stole it from somebody too. But it's a great picture that we want to see uh, as we learn how we move forward in our faith and what that looks like. And without faith, it's impossible to do three things. Here's the first thing. Without faith, it's impossible to worship. Without faith, it's impossible to worship. We want to look at Abel's acceptable gift. Look at Hebrews 11, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gift, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. So, Keep a finger in Hebrews 11 and turn back to the first book of the Bible, Genesis, Genesis chapter 4. I want to give you the foundation for where this comes from and what's happening here. And, um, and uh, so in Genesis chapter 4, let me read you a few verses starting at verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel, and he killed him. And he killed him. In 1 John 3, 11 and 12, it says, For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning that we should love one another. We should, we should not be like Cain, who was the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. In Hebrews 12, 24, not going to go there, but it shows Abel as a type of Christ. And, um, and so that's really their exposure in Scripture. That's really uh, what we know about them. And there's lots of discussion that's gone on about, so what was wrong with Cain's gift? What was wrong with his gift? Um, Cain was a, a farmer. He was out doing the fields, and he brought from the fields, no question. It just, nothing in the text would say he brought anything but the very best of his crops, and he brought it to the Lord, and, and Abel brought his. He brought an animal, and, and uh, he brought it to the Lord, and, and the Lord accepted Cain's, and the Lord rejected Abel's. Excuse me. The Lord accepted Abel's, and the Lord rejected Cain's. Well, Why? Was it because it wasn't a blood offering? No, there's lots of, I don't believe so, there's lots of places in Scripture where offerings were brought that weren't sacrifices of animals. That's not where the problem was. The problem wasn't in the type of the gift that was brought, in the sacrifice that was brought. The problem was in the attitude with the, the gift that was brought, with the sacrifice that was brought. And when we think about our gifts and our sacrifice and our worship before the Lord, so much of it needs to come back to our attitude and our heart. Cain's offering came from a wrong attitude. 
if it had come from a right attitude when the Lord didn't accept it, he would have been on his face before the Lord going, Lord, what have I done wrong? I want to be right with you. I want to get this right. But that's not what he did. When the Lord didn't accept his gift, he turns to anger and hatred and betrayal and even murder because it just demonstrated the heart that was behind the gift. And God rejected the gift, not because the gift was evil or wrong, but because the heart behind it was evil and wrong. Ultimately, Abel's gift was accepted and received because he brought it by faith. One was brought in arrogance and pride and self-centeredness. And the other one was brought in, you are God, you are in heaven. And it was brought by, by faith. Abel brought his gift with a right heart. Cain's heart was wrong. Remember the story of David and Bathsheba and all of that? We see the, the result of all that in the killing of Uriah. We see it in Psalm 51. And there's a great parallel here, verses 16 and 17, where it says, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. When we come with the right heart, God receives the gift. When we come with the right motive, um, Cain's motive was selfishness. Cain's motive was what he was and what he had made and what he brought. We see his motive was wrong by the way he responded. And the Bible says some things about motive. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Matthew 6, 1. In Galatians 1, 10, for I, am I, excuse me, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And so Abel brings his gift with a right heart and a right motive. And according to Hebrews 11, he brought it by faith. He brought it in the assurance and confidence that God is working. God makes his promise. God is faithful. And God accepted his gift. God accepted his gift. You might say, but Abel's life, like, what a waste. What a waste. Like, he's dead. He's gone. Our economy of things and God's economy of things are so different, right? In verse 4 of Hebrews 11, it says, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. His death wasn't a waste of time. We're still talking about him. We're still talking about his righteousness. We're still talking about his faith. We're still talking about the way that God worked through him. His life wasn't wasted. His life was being used, and it was used for the glory of God because, because his worship was acceptable to God. What will be said of you after you die? Was, was it, will it be said that you were a person of faith? Will it be said that you were a, a righteous person? See, people could see his worship. They could see who he was, and it made a difference, and that was about his worship. Or really, in your heart of hearts, is your worship more looking around you all the time, seeing other people and seeing their problems and comparing yourself to them, and, and you find yourself caught up in anger and frustration and hurt and even bitterness or hatred, or when you come to God, do you come with worship 
that's filled with a right heart, a right motive, by faith. By faith. It is impossible to worship God without faith. Because faith is the foundation that gets our feet off of the ground and helps us understand who God is and what he's done. And it gets all of the focus on him and the focus away from who we are and what we think we bring. And when we come to God with that right heart, if there's something wrong and God reveals it to us, then we are quick to make it right and get right with the Lord. Without faith, it's impossible to worship impossible to worship. Here's the second thing. Without faith, it's impossible to walk. Worship, walk. You'll know what the third point will be. It's impossible to walk. said that Enoch's walk was pleasing to the Lord. Look at verses uh, 5 and 6. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who, who seek him. Well, where's his story found? Trust you still have your fingers in Genesis. Genesis chapter 5, uh, just the next uh, chapter over. In Genesis chapter 5, and verses uh, 18 through 22, um, here's what it says. When Jared had lived 162 years, his father, uh, he fathered Enoch. When Jared lived after, he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. The years were the same as our years. They were not shorter. They were the same. People lived a lot longer right after creation. And then you see that timeline drop after the fall of man. Um, Enoch had lived 65 years. He fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God. He was not, for God took him. Twice, it says, he walked with God. He walked with God. Because it's important, that's the one thing we know about him. The Bible says very little about Enoch, except that he walked, he walked with God. He walked with God. And then it says, and God took him. Only two people in the Bible uh, didn't die. Enoch and Elijah. Elijah's caught up in a chariot of clouds. And, and Enoch. Enoch walked with God and God took him out. Not took him out, killed him. Took him out of the world. Because of his relationship with him. Because of his walk with him. It was so sweet with God. God just took him right out of the world. Well, what did his walk look like? What did his walk look like? Because all it says is he walked with God. So what can we understand from that? Well, first of all, we would understand he walked in communion with God. Three things. He walked in communion with God. He desired to be close with God. And that was his passion and that was his heart. And so if you want to walk with God, you have to commune with him. You have to be in the word. You have to be a person of prayer. You got to be on your face before the Lord in confession and making things right. He walked with God. He was in communion with God. Uh, what goes hand in hand with that? The second thing was he was separated from his world. You can't walk with God and be in the world, in worldly things at the same time. Uh, so one is the result of the other, but he walked with God. That speaks of communion. And because of that, he lived separate from his world. 
And then the third thing it says is that he walked. It was a progressive thing. It was a moving forward thing. He was learning it. It was one step at a time. But his passion and his heart, so much so that they put it down twice in Scripture, was that he walked with God. It was a life that was in, in progress. It was a process that was happening. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. But so often we walk by sight. When we get to that point and we hear the results of the, of the tests from the doctor or we find out about the job and we, and we start trying to do things on our own instead of both feet off the ground, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to be faithful to you. By faith, God. By faith, I'm going to lean in at this time in my walk with you. Enoch walked, Enoch walked with God. It says that for over 300 years, he walked with God. Now, some in the room are like, if I could just make it to Monday walking with God, I'll be happy. No, no, for 300 years, faithfully moving forward, desiring to have communion with God, desiring to be separated from his world, desiring to take the steps and keep on moving. Do I think he did it perfectly? No, I don't think he did it perfectly at all. But his heart and his passion was to keep walking with God. I read this week, I love this line about Enoch. It said, Enoch and God went on long walks together. Now there's something to think about. Enoch and God went on long walks together. Sue and I go for walks sometime. Not too long because I get tired and want to go home and watch football or something. But, but we go for long walks sometime and we get out. What do we do when we get out for a walk? Well, we hold hands and we walk. And, and it's not a perfect walk because my steps are bigger than hers or whatever. And sometimes the cadence isn't quite right. And we got to figure that all out. And, uh, but we go for our walks and we spend. But what do we do when we walk? We talk. We talk about what's going in our, on in our lives. We talk about uh, what's coming up. We talk about the things that are concerning to us. And that's what we do. Enoch did that with God. He walked with God and he talked with him about the things that were going on in his life and the things that he needed. And so here's the question. When was the last time you went for a nice long walk with God? Physically? Maybe. I remember my early years of ministry. I was up in Ottawa and hadn't been there very long and hard. It was tough. And our family was all down here. It was just Sue and I. And I was at a point of, I don't know. I was a young punk and I don't know. And I went over to Gatineau over in Quebec and spent a better part of a day, just me and God. And we went for a walk and spent time in his word, spent time in prayer, got my focus back on what God had called me to. Don't start doubting in the darkness what God has shown you in the light. And I came out, had a great walk with God. It was actually a physical thing along with the spiritual part. But it doesn't have to be the physical part. It can be done. You could be in your chair in the morning with a cup of coffee and your Bible and your prayer journal, whatever you have, and you're having a nice long walk with God. But that's what Enoch went after. He went after a long walk with God. He did it for 300 years. He, he did it faithfully. Nothing in the text says he did it perfectly, but he walked with God, and he did it by faith. I was talking to a couple of guys in my office on Wednesday, and I said, uh, we're reading the verse, Enoch, walk with God. And, and I said, that's what I wanted to say on my gravestone. And one of them said, Enoch, walk with God? No, not Enoch. Paul walked with God. Wouldn't that be amazing? 
when, when, when your life got summed up, and there's lots of things that can be put on your gravestone, but wouldn't it be amazing if that was the thing that people thought, people saw in you? Walked with God. Enoch walked with God. You see, without faith, it's impossible not only to walk with God, but to please God. Look at verse 6. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes consistency. By faith, we walk. We don't walk by our strength. We don't walk by our determination. We don't walk, I can just keep plowing through and I will get through. We don't walk in our own sense of sacrifice or our own effort. We, we don't walk by, I made it to church this week, check. I made it to small group this week, check. I serve somewhere, check. We do it by faith. We don't do it through misplaced gifts and talents or rituals by faith because without faith it is impossible Enoch could not walk with God for 300 years after his son was born for 300 plus years without faith it's impossible it's impossible and if you find yourself wavering and struggling, and I don't know if I can do it, and I don't know, because you're not walking with God by faith. you got your feet in the middle of it. Your feet, you're not transferred over with both feet off the ground. I'm going to trust the Lord the best I can. And when I put a foot down and the Lord reveals it to me, I lift the foot back up, and I'm going to trust him for what's coming. Without faith, it is impossible. But with faith, but with faith, it's impossible to walk with God. Some things I wrote down about faith I was thinking about this week. Faith looks inward. Faith looks inward to look at your own heart and examine it and see what's going on. It becomes part of a process that's required for us to over and over and over again examine our motives. That's what the whole thing with Abel and Cain was about. Wrong attitude, wrong motives, no faith. Faith makes us look inward. Faith makes us look outward to see what's going on in our world, see the, all the things that God has done and is working, but it also makes us look outward to um, see what the world is doing and how we get trapped in it, and I'm not going there, and faith makes us look outward. Faith causes us to look upward to Almighty God, who is the designer of all this, the one who gives me my next breath. Um, that's where faith comes from. Faith makes us look back. We look back and remember and see God's goodness and his faithful to See, you can't walk, not with God, unless you walk by faith. Faith makes us look forward to what is to come, heaven, eternity, God's favor poured out on us. Faith is the means by which man comes into relationship with God. So when I talk about this, and if the stool represents all that God is and all that Jesus Christ has accomplished for us, salvation comes when I stop trying to do it on my own. I stop trying to work harder. I stop trying to work smarter. And I understand that what Jesus Christ did, he paid the price. He was the sacrifice. He paid for my sin. And what do I have to do? Believe. But some of you are sitting here today and go, yeah, yeah, I got that, I got that, I got that. But you're still trying on your own and you haven't transferred your trust. Salvation happens the moment you say, Jesus Christ did it all. I was separated from him. I can't do anything about it. And I'm putting my faith in him alone. In him alone. And maybe this is the day you need to do that. 
This is the day when you will come to the place of, I'm not trying to do this anymore on my own. I can't do it anymore. It's not working. I understand who Jesus is. I understand what he did for me. And today, right now, I'm going to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and I will be saved. I will be saved. The Bible says that um, Abel, without faith, it's impossible to worship. Enoch, it's without faith, it's impossible to walk. And then here's the last one, Noah. Without faith, it's impossible to work for God. Without faith. You can do a bunch of stuff, but it won't be for God. You'll be for yourself. It'll be for your own ends, for your own means, for what you accomplish, but it won't be for God. Without faith, it's impossible to work. I want to take a look at Noah's reverent fear. Look at verse 7 of Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. We find the story of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 6 to 9. So we find Noah, and uh, I'm only going to read a little bit of it, but in Genesis chapter 6, verses 8 and 9, it says, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. That's what it says about Noah. That's what it says about his character. He found favor with God. Why? He found favor with God because he was a righteous man. He sought to do what was right. He believed God and sought to be right before God. Did he do it perfectly? You better believe he didn't. But he sought to be a righteous man. And he was called a righteous man. When God looked at him, he saw a righteous man. When God looked at him, he saw a blameless man. Did that mean he had never done anything wrong? No, it didn't mean that at all. It just means the things that were wrong had been dealt with. No one could walk into the door of his life and point the finger at him because he had already dealt with those things. And that's the way we need to live. There shouldn't be people who could walk into our lives and we would be ashamed or afraid. It doesn't mean we didn't sin and we're not sorry for what we did. I'm talking about no one can point the bony finger at you because you're blameless before God. He was a righteous man. He was a blameless man, and he walked with God. How did he do it? Well, according to Hebrews 11, he did it by faith. By faith. Without faith, it's impossible to work for God. So look at Hebrews 11, verse 7 again, because it's easy for us to realize all that happened with Noah, right? Because we know the end of the story. But he didn't know the end of the story. Look what it says in verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events yet unseen. Noah, I want you to build me a boat. It'll be as long as a football field, almost as wide, and four to five stories high. That's what I want you to do. But why, Lord? I'm going to judge the world. Events unseen. And God gives him a task to do. And it's like, see, it's easy for us because we know what the end was. But it wasn't easy for him. And so on day one, he starts to build this boat and, and his neighbors start to come. What are you doing? I'm building a ship. What, in the middle of the desert? You're an idiot. 
And that went on and all of those comments and all of that hurtful statement and all of that for decades and decades. You don't build a ship in a day. It took time and he was ridiculed and he was persecuted and he didn't give up. Why? Because he had faith. He had faith. He trusted God. And it says right in the text, I love these words. It says, in reverent fear, in reverent fear. He saw who God was. He understood what God had called him to do. And he wasn't giving up. He wasn't packing it in. When it got a little bit difficult, it got a little bit hard. He didn't jump off the bandwagon. He kept his son Shamaham and Japheth and their wives working on the thing and his wife working on the thing. And they built the ark until it was done. And then God put the animals in and God shut the door and God protected them. Because he served God in reverent fear. Is that how you serve? Is that how you work for Christ? In reverent fear? Now, I'm not picking on anybody by name. I don't know. I don't know who this represents. I just know it represents all of us at some point to some extent. But it's Wednesday and Awana's on and you're an Awana worker and you've had a hard day and it's like, I don't think I'm going tonight. Where's the reverent fear? God's called you to serve in some area, and it's like, oh, it's getting difficult. People are, people are starting to say things, and it's not like it used to be. It used to be so much fun, and now it's not fun anymore. In reverent fear, Noah kept on and kept on and kept on and kept on and until it was done. Why? Because he had faith. He had faith that God had called him to this, and he wasn't giving up, and he wasn't quitting, and he was going to work for God. He responds with reverent fear. He constructs an ark after decades of ridicule. But what were the results? Well, the results are right in the text. The saving of his household. God blessed him and his household was saved. The condemnation of the world. God's justice was delivered on a world that hated him. And he became an heir. He became an heir, just like us, heirs, heirs of God, members of his family, just like in Ephesians 1.11, in him we have obtained an inheritance, have been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his, of his will. You see, without faith, it's impossible to work because you'll just be going through the motions. It won't be for the Lord. It'll be all wood, hay, and stubble not gold, silver, and precious stones, and eventually you will quit. Well, so what? So what? Without faith, it's impossible to worship. Without faith, it's impossible to walk. Without faith, it's impossible to work for Christ. Forsaking all else, I trust him. The hard time at work, the hard time in my family, the hard time with my friends, the hard time with, Lord, I'm setting it all down, and I'm trusting you. It's about you. Forsaking all, I trust you. Without faith, it's impossible to know God. You can't know God without faith. 
that we're dead in our trespasses and sins, and he makes us alive in Jesus Christ. Without faith, you can't know God. Without faith, you can't please God. It doesn't mean to make him happy. It means to satisfy what's required. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to worship God like Abel, to walk with God like Enoch, to work for God like Noah. Without faith, it's impossible to spend eternity with God because it's not determined by you. It's not dependent on you. It's all about faith alone in Jesus Christ, faith alone to walk, not by sight, but by faith for the glory of God and moving forward best we can, learning as we grow. By faith, it's impossible But with faith, all things are possible. See, the thing that the world can't do, can do amazing things, but it's impossible to please God. But with faith, all of this is possible. How are you worshiping? How are you walking? How are you working for God? Without faith, it's impossible. Let's pray. Lord, this is your word, and we thank you for it. Thank you for the challenge from Hebrews chapter 11. These three men, uh, two of them we know very little about, but God, in your economy, as you look at them, you looked at Abel, and we're still talking about his faith. We're still talking about his righteous worship. Enoch, we know little about him other than he walked with you, God, and you took him. Lord, what does my walk look like? Is is that what people would see when they see me? Would that be our prayer, that they would look at me and look at us, and they would say, they walk with God. And in reverent fear, Noah worked for you. He didn't give up. He didn't quit. He didn't pack it in because of his faith. Lord, teach us that we would walk upright like that. For the fame of your name and for the glory of Jesus Christ, we pray these things. Amen.